We're going to look at both Isaiah 25 and John chapter 20. So we'll get there in a little bit. But I want to take a little poll. This is like a classic, classic question you're asked. You know, what is your happy place? And usually when people ask, you know, what is your happy place? They give you two choices. The first choice is the mountains. And the second choice is the beach. As if we can only have two choices in this life, right? Mountains or beach. But hey, let's just follow the stereotypical question. And I want to take a little poll here. So if you are more like a mountain person, raise your hand. You want to see it? All right. All right. If, if you are a beach person, raise your hand. Okay, some of you voted twice. There's no doubt about that. That's like statistically impossible. Like we, we have a lot of hands up. But so that's the deal. Some people are mountain people. Some people are beach people. If you like both of them, I guess you can move to Los Angeles, right? You can do that. And so Jerry just yells, she's an LA person. But we like you here, Jerry. We like you here in your family here. So mountains are beach, but there's other places of interest. I'm talking about your happy place the place you like to be. So there's something known as the man cave. Some of you have a man cave because I've seen your man cave. And this is the happy place for a lot of men because that's where they go and abdicate the responsibility as husbands and fathers and as neighbors. You know, they just hide in the man cave and watch sports and violent movies. But maybe that's your happy place, the man cave. Now, I I was preparing for this and I learned a new term that I have never heard before. And I have to say this really slowly and clearly. There is something known as a she shed. (laughs) Try saying that three times in a row, man. I can't do it. Before service, I was like going, she shed. She shed. People are walking by my office like, what's going on in there? I don't know. But evidently, this is a, a place A she shed is a shed for people to go do she things, I guess. I don't know what that is. And I hope I'm not planting a thought. Some some of you will be on Pinterest today planning your she shed in your backyard. And so this this is going to be an expensive sermon for some of you as you have to transform your backyard in the future. Uh, Some of you, you love uh, to shop. That's your happy place. We used to go to the mall to shop. Now the mall comes to us. Thank you, Jeff Bezos, right? The mall comes to us through Amazon. So if you just need a scented candle, you used to have to go park at the mall, go shopping, but now you can just have any scented candle come to you. If you need a cinnamon pretzel, you can have Amazon ship you a cinnamon pretzel. Is that true? I don't know, but if it's not true, someone needs to start that company. We can start a company like a mall cinnamon pretzel delivered by Amazon. So there, I'm going to make someone rich today. There's your chance to start a new business. Some of you, I've heard you talk, your happy place is the deer stand. And you're like, I love to hunt. That's, that's when you're happiest. And I've heard a lot of people talk about the spiritual ramifications of this. And they're like, I get up early in the morning, the sun is rising, I'm one with nature. Um, I'm experiencing God and the creator and his peace and his presence. Then I take a gun and I blow Bambi's mom's head off. Some of you are so violent, you also, you also do it to Bambi itself, you know, and you take it out too. I can't remember if Bambi was a boy or girl. I got it wrong two services and now I can't remember, okay? But regardless, so... We all have our happy places. Let me tell you about my happy place. And it's a place that is gone forever. I cannot get this place back. And I'm actually being serious about this. 
My happy place was when my kids were a few years younger and they couldn't drive. And we were going somewhere, like we were going maybe to a vacation or to somewhere that we all enjoyed. And they were all stuck in the van with me. That was awesome. I mean, we were contained. They couldn't go anywhere. I got to take them to whatever historical marker I wanted to and give them a history lesson. And we had some great times. Those days are over. And I remember thinking, you know, all the kids are in here. Life doesn't get any better than this. Now, if we're all going to the same place, first of all, we don't fit in one vehicle physically anymore. And then second of all, if we did fit in one vehicle, uh, some of them would not you know, ride with us. They want to take a separate car. So in our memories, this was idealistic. Like all the kids are in the same van that, you know, how we remember history better than it really was because I forgot about moments like this. Yeah, man, (laughs) I'm driving along and there's a foot in my ear because someone's trying to get comfortable. So yeah, that's reality, right? There's a story we want to tell and the story that was. So that was my happy place. So we all have these happy different places where like, I love it when I'm there or I love it when this is occurring or I love it when this happens. And I think that those desires kind of lead us to an ultimate place for God's people. Because I want to remind you on this Resurrection Sunday that there is a place for you that you get a taste of now, but you're going to get a full taste of it and experience of it in the future. And that's the place where God's in charge of his people. And there's no hindrance between us and God both as individuals and both as a community. There's nothing preventing us from connecting with God. It's a place that, I mentioned this even last week, that it's called Zion. It's a place where God's in charge. And, you know, Jerusalem's an important part of that because that's why we love the Jewish people and we love the nation of Israel because Jesus will someday come back on the Mount of Olives and he will show the world that he's God. And we look forward to that day. But the reason we look forward to that day is not because we're just living in the future It's because that reality is already coming to pass in our lives today when we make Jesus and we put him in charge of us as individuals. And then when Jesus gets involved in the community, we declare today what the future is for all humanity. So I want to share this vision with you. And let's start now in Isaiah chapter two, verse two. This is talking about both what we are experiencing now and what we will experience with greater and greater intensity as the Lord establishes his reign. In the last days, which we are in since Jesus started his kingdom, since the resurrection. In the last days, look at this metaphorical uh, language. It's so beautiful. The mountain of the Lord's house will be established at the top of the mountains and it will be raised above the hills and all nations will stream to it. This is talking about a day when this world, this planet, the inhabitants of this planet can see that the ways of Jesus are best. The ways, the way of Jesus is supreme and he will be lifted above every other force, every other concept. Jesus will be at the highest mountain and the highest place and all of the nations, all of the people who gather will stream towards the greatness of Jesus. And I want 
I want to declare over you today, man, I hope you like the beach. I hope you like the mountain. I hope you get your she shed. I hope that you get, you know, a van full of people you love and that you enjoy all of the blessings of this life. But it's not just about this life because we have, because of the resurrection, not just our moments here. We have an eternity before us. We have a world before us. We have a place that we're tasting now and we're going to fully experience in the future where Jesus is in charge, where there's no hindrance between us and our God, where the community is, is seeing that the ways of Jesus, uh, uh, the ways of Jesus, which are perfect in his sight, is when we are really at home. It's our place. Here's the first observation. The resurrection changes our place. We no longer just live for the next vacation. We no longer just live for the remodel of our house. We no longer just live for the accomplishment of our kids. We no longer live for the accumulation of wealth. Those things may be part of what God's called us to have or do, but those are not the things that satisfy us because there's a homesickness within us. There's something within us that's not fully satisfied until we're home with him. He is our place. He is our home. He is our satisfaction. He is the one when we are aligned with him, all is well in our soul. And that is what is before us. Isaiah 25, six is one of our two passages today. We already talked about in chapter two, the mountain of the Lord, but chapter 25, verse six gives more explanation of that. On this mountain, the Lord of armies will prepare for all the people a feast of choice meat, a feast with aged wine, a feast with prime cuts of choice meat, fat full of marrow, fine vintage wine. We know that before us, God's preparing us the best. And in this, steaks. Now, I, I don't really know that much about wine. I can't tell you what's vintage and what's valuable. I can't tell you exactly, you know, all the details about wine. I'm not that experienced in that. But I do have experience with steak. I know that might surprise some of you. And I'll tell you this. I'll tell you about steak. If someone offers you a steak, which is a nice thing to offer, it's one of the best cuts of the cow, and they offer that to you, and they take you to a buffet where you have to stand in line to get the steak. I can tell you, you haven't had a steak yet, all right? I mean, no offense to buffet lines with steaks, but those are what's called grade D steaks. And there's something known as grade A steaks. And usually when you have a grade A steak, you have to eat it on a white tablecloth and you probably have to know a little something about wine, but or whatever the case is, it is probably more expensive than you want to pay, but it's choice, you know, it's good. So if grandpa says, I'm going to treat you to a steak and you have to stand in line for it, wait for a better opportunity also. It's coming in your future. I miss my grandpa. I kind of feel bad for saying that. So sorry about that. Man, I feel convicted of the Holy Spirit right now. <laughs> I've dogged everybody in my family all these years, except grandpa. And now I did that to him. So God rest his soul. God's 
that's, God's prepared, uh, this is the third sermon. I didn't say, talk about him and the other three. So I got to work my way out of this. <laughs> God's prepared a satisfying place for us. Our home with him. And our homesickness means there's something more to grasp for. There's something more that we need. And one thing 100% of us have in common, and I want you to hear this today, is that we've all had disappointments in life. Don't believe the lie that you've had to deal with disappointments in life and no one else has. Because 100% of us have. And, And I want to talk to some of you guys who are younger than me, because I think you've been raised to believe that life is never supposed to be hard. So when disappointments come, you, you guys maybe feel overwhelmed in a way that older generations haven't been. And I'm sorry for that. But I just want you to know whatever disappointment that you're going through, you're gonna get through it and God's gonna use it and he's gonna make you a better person. So don't allow the disappointments in life to derail you or to take you off the path you need to be. Because God's going to use that because every one of us deals with disappointments. So we create these stories in our mind and we think that only the rich and only the talented and only those who have acclaim and options, uh, only they don't have to deal with the disappointments of life. But as you study not only history, but contemporary culture, you'll find that some people we've identified as the most successful people in life actually deal with some of the the biggest disappointments, because you can't manage your disappointments with earthly success. You have to find eternal meaning. You have to find that meaning in Christ. In September of 2019, uh, the singer Justin Bieber, he, he shared some of his concerns about his life. He had some mental health issues that caused him to have some really dark thoughts and to consider things that, that no one should have to consider especially someone as young and with so much that he seemed to have going for him. And he shared this in September 2019, this quote. He said, I was 18 with no skills in the real world. And he went on to say, because he became a star at such a young age, he didn't really know how to function as a person. No skills in the real world with millions of dollars and access to whatever I wanted. This is a very scary concept for anyone. And he went in in that kind of self uh, uh, revelation of what he was going through. Um, He he shared his challenges. And at the very end, uh, he mentioned Jesus Christ. And and I hope that he's finding that meaning through Christ. I know that's where I found my meaning. And I know that I'm declaring the gospel to you that eternity is where we find our meaning. I bring up Justin Bieber, which I can't believe he made my Easter sermon, but he did. But I bring him up because he's an example, and there's thousands of them, of people that we could easily identify as successful. But according to his words, without Christ, he, he had an emptiness. He had a homesickness. He had a longing. And that's why the second thing that I've already been talking about, but I want to point out, is our sorrow. I want to talk to you about our sorrow on this Easter Sunday. We want to take a moment to identify our sorrow because you can't fully understand the power of the resurrection until you admit or identify the sorrow of disappointment many of us have in life. Sorrow when our dreams don't come true. We have sorrow when the story doesn't end the way we thought it would end. 
or we're in the middle of the story and it's not going the way we anticipated. And, and we know the end of the story that Jesus was resurrected, but think about, think about his followers, both his disciples and his faithful ones who between the death of Jesus and between the recognition of his res- resurrection, that deep disappointment. And I want you to see it now as we go to our second passage today in John chapter 20. And when we look at the life of Mary Magdalene, starting with verse one, we're gonna read 11 verses. It's a longer passage, but I want you to see what was happening that morning that we celebrate today. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. While it was still dark, she saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she went running to Simon Peter and to the other disciples, the, one, the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, who we believe was John, who wrote this narrative, and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. At that, Peter and the other disciple went out heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the one disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Now, this is, let me just talk about that. Go back to verse four for a second. Sometimes if you imagine yourself in a biblical story, it kind of makes it feel more real. And as I was preparing, I thought about Pastor Josh, who, who prayed over the offering today. It's like if he and I were racing to the tomb, I think I'm going to be Peter in that story. I just have a feeling, Josh, that you would, you would have beat me to the tomb. But we're going to find out one day because you and I have never had a foot race. We've never just had a foot race. So if we, maybe if we have one of those picnics they like doing around here, you and I can have a race. We can have a race off. We can see who's Peter and who's John. Okay. Thanks for the courtesy laugh. I thought that was funny, you know? And at 9 a.m. thought it was funny too. Maybe they knew us better. I don't know. But verse, verse six, here we go. Verse five, stooping down, he saw the linen cloth, linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. The wrappings that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloth, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first then also went in, saw and believed, for they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. Now here's verse 11, we worked up to here and we're back to Mary. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb. Before we go on with this story, I wanted to just stop for a second and acknowledge Mary's tears and acknowledge her sorrow. And I wanna acknowledge your sorrow too because we don't fully appreciate or understand the power of the resurrection until we understand that Jesus was resurrected in the middle of disappointment. Jesus was resurrected in the middle of disillusionment. Jesus was resurrected when the dream seemed to have died and the story seemed to be over. And guys, I I want you to feel this today, that your sorrow matters to God and your tears are seen by God. And God doesn't just dismiss you and the, the sadness that you may have experienced in the past or maybe some of you are experiencing now. He doesn't just dismiss that as if it doesn't matter because everything turns out good at the end. A lot of times that's how we are like, hey, don't worry about it. It's all gonna work out. Well, it matters now, okay? My suffering matters now. And I want you to know that the Lord knows about your suffering and he cares about your suffering, but resurrection that I'm gonna speak over you and into you, the resurrection of Jesus is not just a story. 
It's a power that's alive. And his resurrection is for your sorrow and it's for your tears. And it's for like Mary Magdalene who looked in the tomb in tears. And before she saw the miracle and before she recognized his voice, she had to recognize her sorrow. So going back to the other passage today, Isaiah chapter 25, now in verse seven, that talks about the day we live in and the Jesus we serve. Isaiah prophesied this about Jesus. On this mountain, this elevated place, he will swallow up the burial shroud. He will destroy the burial shroud, the shroud over all the people, the sheet covering all the nations. Let me just talk about this for a second because when I think about 2020 and 2021, it feels like there is this burial shroud over us. There is this covering over the nations as if every nation is going to be touched with violence and every nation's touched with deception and every, every people group is being affected by the virus and there's strife ever, everywhere we go. Even when we want to avoid strife, it's like strife gets on us and it feels like there's this this thing over us, this veil over us. I want to tell you that as Jesus' people, we're here to declare his purposes and his kingdom and his light and his perspective and his love. And it does something to the burial shroud. It does something to the sheet covering the nations. Look at verse eight. This is what happens. He will destroy death forever. The Lord God, and now we go back to our tears, our sorrow, will wipe away the tears from every face. Isn't that a beautiful picture of tenderness? We see in in the book of Revelation also, your God is not going to punish you. Your God is going to reach his hand down and wipe away your tears. It's a beautiful word picture. He will wipe away the tears from every face and remove his people's disgrace from the whole earth. I love this line. For the Lord has spoken. Not Aaron has spoken, not a religious leader has spoken, not anyone in earthly power has spoken. The Lord has spoken and the Lord has spoken this over you. The Lord is going to remove death. The Lord is going to remove the shroud. The Lord is going to remove death forever and the people will rejoice in the Lord. I love the New Living Translation's ver, uh, version of, of chapter, uh, excuse me, of verse seven. It says, there on the mountain of the Lord, he will remove the cloud of gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. Guys, I know, I feel that. I feel this cloud of gloom that's kind of over us. I feel this shadow of death that is over us. But our Jesus is going to remove the cloud of gloom. Our Jesus removes the shadow because when light shows up, darkness cannot stand. The light is always greater than the darkness. And so there might be a shadow of death over our land. But as we lift up the name of Jesus, that shadow disappears because his glory is greater than the greater darkness. And his presence is stronger than the greatest sin and his hope his hope in us our our hope in him is greater than every challenge humanity faces and that's what the resurrection changes it changes our sorrow this truth leads to my last point the resurrection changes our story it changes our story now let's go back to mary magdalene remember in verse 11 she had sorrow she had tears she was crying now we'll go to verse 12 of John 20. She saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus's body had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. 
And they said to her, woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she told them. And I don't know where they've put him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you're seeking? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, sir, if you, you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, this is a beautiful, beautiful statement. Mary, turning around, she said to him in Aramaic Hebrew, Rabbani, which means teacher. When she heard him call her name, that's when she recognized him. He went on to say, don't cling to me since I have not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what these things he had said to her. You see, when she heard him call her name, it changed her story. And guys, I want to ask you today, when have you heard Jesus call your name? Because he is calling your name. He has called your name. Some of you have a very distinct memory. And you can remember as a child, as a teenager. You can remember last year. You can remember a service like, like this here in this room when you heard the call of Jesus. Some of you, that call is clear right now. The fact that you're sitting in this service and you're hearing this sermon, it's the way Jesus is calling your name. You're not just one person sitting in these gray chairs. You're not just part of the crowd. You are a distinct person that God loves and that he has set his attention upon and that he is pursuing and he is using this resurrection Sunday and this Easter service to reach your heart, to reach you, to let you know that you're not overlooked, that your sorrow matters. And because your sorrow matters, that there is light that's going to be greater than the shadow over you. Because your sorrow matters, that there is going to be light that's going to Anticipate the cloud of gloom because your future is great in Jesus. Guys, listen, we, we think, hey, how lucky would we be if we get 110 years in this life? Like everything just breaks right. Everything breaks right and we don't have an accident and we don't get sick. You know, how lucky would we be? Guys, we got to look past that because we are eternal souls and we're not just going to live in this life. There's a life to come. There's a day ahead. There's a place we're headed to. There's a God who he, he looks way beyond the years that we can see in the timeline we're aware of. And there is an eternity with God before us. And he has invited us to that future with him. We step into the future with him because he's loved us. That's why he said back to our other passage in verse nine of Isaiah 25. In that day, on that day, it will be said. This is the day we're in right now. This is the day that's going to come to full fruition when we see him face to face. On that day, it will be said, look, this is our God. We have waited for him. He has saved us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. 
There is a day that is here to some measure, but it's coming in greater measure when everyone is going to see how great our Jesus is. Everyone's going to see the plan of God for all of humanity. And we have been invited to be among those people who say, hey, this is our God. This is our God. We know who this is. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say that our God is great and greatly to be praised. Let the redeemed of the Lord say that our God's light is greater than the darkness of the world. Let the redeemed of the Lord say, we know who Jesus is. He is the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. And when we sing, like we sang earlier, when we sing, let all the earth bow before the King of Kings. We're not just singing a nice song because Aubrey's a good worship leader and we like the song and it's Easter. No, guys, we're part of the company of heaven joining the angels. And we're saying there is a God who's greater than any concept you can know in this life. There is a God whose power is greater than the greatest powers of this world. There is a life to come before us. The powers of heaven is what we taste as God's people declare who God is. And that is why you're here today. You're here because you have been invited to be among those who proclaim the greatness of who Jesus is. I want to invite our musicians to begin to join me up here or to join me up here. And to to those who are distributing communion, you can begin to prepare. And I want to share with you one last scripture. It's our Psalm for the Sunday. It's the Psalm the churches around the world are declaring today. Psalm 118, starting with verse 14 says, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. There are shouts of joy and victory in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand performs valiantly. The Lord's right hand is raised. The Lord's right hand performs valiantly. And here's the scripture. I want this to get into your heart today. This is for you guys today. I will not die, but I will live and proclaim what the Lord has done. Guys, I know that over the last, last year, we've had like this, this sense of doom over us. We've all had to face our mortality in one way or the other. Maybe you face your mortality because you know someone who has passed away like I have. I've known several people who have passed away. Maybe you have faced your mortality because you've dealt with sickness that had nothing to do with a virus, but just, you know, life went on for those who were already sick or who discovered their sickness. Maybe that you've had challenges in your employment and challenges financially. Maybe you've had relationships that have, have, have broken and, and that that's very painful to you. And all of this feels like this cloud that's over you. All of this feels like this gloom is over you. And the spirit of death has been over many of us. The spirit of death that has made us think that life will never come back, that life will never be satisfying again, that life will never be the same as it is. Can I tell you that that spirit comes not from God, it comes from the evil one, because I'm going to tell you there is hope in the Lord, and there is resurrection power that's not in our past, it's in our now, it's in our today, it's not just in our future, it's in our reality today. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you and gives life to your mortal body. So I want to speak over you. You're not going to die. You're going to live. You're going to live and you're going to have life abundantly. And I'm going to tell you this is that brothers and sisters, we will live forever because of Jesus Christ. Our time and yes, let's thank him for that. 
We will not die, but we will live. We will not die, but we will go into eternity. And we don't fear death because death is just passing in to real life. And here's the reason we're gonna live. I want you to put that scripture back up. Verse 17, God's people have been singing this for years. I will not die, but I will live. And here's the reason we're gonna live. To proclaim what the Lord has done. We're people of proclamation who proclaim the greatness of our God. And I wanna tell you this, this is not some safe, cute little Easter service. This is an assembly of God's people that have a story. You have a story. You have a testimony. You have a future. You have a reality now. And as we go to the table of the Lord, you are going as God's chosen holy people, turning your heart and attention to the Lord. How many know that what's about to happen is the greatest thing that can happen in the heavenlies because we're going to align ourselves with the powers of heaven and we are going to align ourselves with the life everlasting and we will not succumb to the spirit of death, but we will, we will live and declare the greatness of our God. Thank you. I thought it was good too. Thank you. Amen. Someone said that was good. Hey, let's pray together. Father, we prepare ourselves today. We prepare ourselves today for the Lord's table. And we thank you for the life that comes. Lord, we're not people of death. Man, there's life all around you. I want you to hear this today. Life is teeming around you. Life is teeming around you. You are not going to die emotionally. I want you to hear that. Some of you are like, yeah, I know I'm gonna live. I'm gonna keep breathing. But you feel like you're dying emotionally. You will not die emotionally. Hear me, if you're watching this right now, you will not die emotionally. You will laugh again. You will smile again. You will enjoy life again. Listen, resurrection power is yours. You will not succumb. You will not succumb to those spirits that are oppressing you because Jesus is greater than even the greater darkness. I'm not belittling your pain. I'm not belittling your challenge. I know I don't understand what you're going through, but I understand the greatness of our God. And I speak Jesus over you. I speak life of the, the life of the son of God over you. I speak hope over you. Come on, you're gonna walk out of this church a little bit lighter today. You're gonna have more of a spring in your step today. Not by might, not by power, not by music, not by preaching, but by the spirit of the Lord. He is going to touch you and he is going to give you everything you need to be the person he's called you to be.